0: Welcome to this GemTrain.org presentation, where you will be able to enjoy some wonderful free content that we sincerely hope will help you overcome the challenges of autism. Some content from this presentation is not included here, but the entire presentation is available on our website, GemTrain.org. My name is David Warren. I'm here in San or Eagle Mountain, Utah, and uh, I worked with NAMI for several years. NAMI is National Alliance of Mentally Ill. I was able to instigate Bridges program into the uh, county jail and the state prison system for the state of Utah, and I also taught Bridges and Family to Family, which are two programs that NAMI has for uh, dealing with uh, with a illness, addiction and uh, family members that are caretakers for those that are mentally ill and addicted. Um, I, myself, with 97, was diagnosed as a manic-depressant. I had addiction to alcohol. And... uh, This is hard. because what that addiction did to my family. It's taken me a while, but I reestablished a connection to my kids and uh, enjoy my kids and my grandkids. And so I'm I'm here to present this side. There's a lot of things that I've learned in the years that I've been battling this. That's the biggest thing I have done is learned about it. I have gone and have learned everything that I could uh, about this addiction, about this illness, and to uh, be able to tame the beast, so to speak, and to manage my addiction and this illness. And so this is what I bring to the table. and this is why I'm doing this interview. Addiction is uh, a behavior that is altering your life. Uh, it's, uh, it's altering your life in that you pursue it other than the normal aspects of life. And what's normal, I have no idea. Um, I was told normal is on the washing machine, and that's pretty much it. But it's something that takes away um, from your family, it takes away from you as an individual um, because you seek that addiction more than you seek the love of your family, the love of your kids. I found in my instance, my addiction got me to a point where I became very aggressive, um, uh, very, very short-tempered, and that's one reason why It hurts. So like the first time I met, I met uh, with my doctor. He told me about my illness. And I remember standing up and and getting mad at him at that point. And we went head to head. And I remember leaving. I mean, I've stormed out of his office, slammed the doors, walked out to the my car, got in the car, turned it on. And I sat there and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, by God, he's right. I just did everything that was associated with what he said I suffered from or had. And I went back in and apologized and we sat down and continued the uh, counseling uh, process. And it was still hard for me at that time to accept it because I thought to myself that if I accepted this, then I had a flaw and that I'm not perfect, I'm not... um, Maybe I'm subhuman, but there's a flaw in me. And then the questions of, well, why me? I lost... I didn't really lose, but I started questioning God. And why did, why me? Why do I have this? Why do I have to deal with this? Um, and so I went through a dark, dark time in my life. Uh, again, um, getting back to addiction, um, I look at addiction is not so much a substance abuse as it is a reality abuse. I, I, I don't want to be in reality at that time. My reality was sucking and, and I wanted to get out of it. So how did I get out of it? Well, I used the substance, which I look as alcohol and drugs, mainly and even pornography as a substance to get out of my reality. Thereby, what was I addicted to the substance or getting out of reality into my made up reality that everything was fine. And that, uh, you know, I get into that reality. Everything was everything was good. Nothing was wrong. It's peaceful. The problem is, now as you come out of your addiction, I'm back into the real reality of life. And so it starts perpetuating. Now I want to get out of it more because I like this part, not this part. And so that, that's kind of how I, I view it, but we're not free from the consequences. And so it's hard for me to understand why, uh, an addiction is listed as a disease because that to me says, well, one day a person gets up and they're afflicted with this disease known as addiction. And, and it's nothing that it's none of their choice. There's no choice that they made like cancer. Like my grandson just went through uh, b cell lymphoma. He didn't ask for it. He woke up with a stomach pain that his dad thought, oh, just the flu. No, B cell, two tumors. Went through three, four months of uh, chemotherapy. Not his choice. But addiction, to me, on the other hand, is a choice because I didn't wake up one morning and take a drink or inject heroin or get on the porn sites or whatever. That was my escape. And and see, again, when I was in therapy, group therapy, my, uh, when I graduated from group therapy, my my therapists and counselors that were there were like, we're sorry to see you go uh, because you bring to this table stuff that we can't and because I was I was good at holding people accountable for their illness or their addiction. And why don't you want resolve? The first thing that someone can do about their addiction is is to recognize that they have an addiction. And to realize at that point in their life that they're they're no they're they're no less than a human than they are currently or are, are at that time. It's an addiction. It's a problem associated with some other illness mentally that's occurring. And because of that mental illness, the addiction pops up because again, you wanna check out of reality. I wanna check out of reality. People that I know that are dealing with addictions, I asked them and I talked to them, what are you really addicted to? Are you addicted to the alcohol? Because you know what? Most people say, I hate alcohol. I don't like the taste of it, but it gets me out of my addiction or it gets me out of my reality, excuse me. And and that to me, again, I think is the real addiction is someone having a mental pain. They go into the addiction, the addiction goes into their fantasy reality, which everything is good. The mental pain subsides for the moment and their life becomes happy. So what happens with the uh, person as as that addiction starts running, is they need more. They find themselves wanting more of their fantasy world. Because as we keep waking up, or as I kept waking up in my reality, I was like, okay, I'll be there for a little bit, and then I want to check out. So now I'll go find that fifth of whiskey, I'll go find that drug, heroin, whatever you're hooked on, to get out of the reality. Unfortunately, it becomes that, that fantasy reality becomes switches into our real reality. And then when it, when we're seeing that it's not, we start getting, I started getting angry myself. I just started getting angry. I was agitated. It didn't take long for me to become really agitated at my kids for little things. I'm not talking huge things. I'm talking little things. And I got agitated. And I remember one night I came home from work and, and um, was kind of agitated, and the kids were playing, doing their thing and stuff like that. And I kind of exploded. And all of a sudden the kids, I couldn't find the kids. And I remember my daughter was in her closet because she was, she was afraid of her father. That was the turning point for me. That is what I remember to this day that turned me to finding help for what I knew I had. I knew, and I'll, I'd i be willing to bet most people in my position know there's something wrong, but they are too afraid to go find out. Um, deny, denial is a big word in our industry, in, in what I do and what I have. Um, and so, um, because I denied it. I denied it for years until that point. Denial to me is just a fib, a lie, saying I'm not this, I don't have this. It's a it's a brain that's talking to you saying, oh, no. You, you, you're, you're not manic-depressant, you don't have an addiction. You love alcohol, you just enjoy drinking. No, that's denial, is to stand up, take responsibility and accountability for the choices that I made, for the action I made, that I did. And to finally come to a point, uh, I believe myself that we will all come to that intersection sometime, whether it's getting involved with law enforcement whether it's getting involved in something like this with my kids, your family, that will cause us to say, holy crap, I have something. I know I have something. I gotta find out what it was. For me, I had to put a face to what I had. So that's when my education started. I got hooked up with Dr. Stan Richards, great one. a psychologist, LDS Social Services. And he's the one that initially hit it. He was patient, he let me vent Um, and uh, basically Dr. Richards put it back on me and made me think about what was going on. And so I became very aware of what I was doing at that point. He was a great guy in that He never tried to tell me this or that, but just simply listened and then helped me find the answers. And once I found them, they stick. You have someone telling you something to do and it's like, that doesn't matter to me, you're you. But once you find them out for yourself, guess what? You just got educated. And now what do you do with that education? You know, with me, I wanted, I wanted more education because I wanted to know this demon that I was dealing with. Whether it was the mental health or uh, illness, or whether it was the addiction, I wanted to know. And I remember Dr. Richards <clears throat> uh, saying to me one time, he says, you know, I'd like you to go to a 12-step program. And I go, oh, crap, here we go. And he says, just go for a while. See what it's all about see if it's for you check it out see if there's help there for you that may help and i said okay so i went for about three months i came We had an appointment with him i came back and he said so what do you think about the 12 step and i remember looking at him and says well personally dr Richards is a waste of my time he goes oh why and i said because everything i have learned i've gone there i've listened i've I've shared, but there was one thing missing, and that thing missing was no one wanted freaking resolve. They all wanted to bellyache about their illness. They wanted to bellyache about why they're there. They wanted to bellyache about their spouses, their kids, things of that nature. But no one wanted resolve. And I kept asking, well, how did you get to this point? How did you get two years of sobriety under your, what are you doing? And no one could tell me. We read out of the book, great. But there's a real resolve that needs to occur. So they find it. Educate yourself. So, so repeat that. Oh, uh, to find, for a person to find their resolve is just start talking to people. I learned resolve in working with NAMI because I went and talked to the uh, University of Utah's uh, psychology uh, department, both their freshmen and their graduating class. And, uh, and, and that helped me because I started hearing what I was saying. Okay. So start doing this, start practicing this, start implementing what you're saying in your own life. And as I did, I became more and more and more able to manage my, uh, problems. i um, not saying that I'm over them, but I can manage them. Medication. I saw so many people get off their medication because they were feeling good. And I'll tell you, I felt good too. But as Dr. Richard asked me, he says, uh, so do you feel you're going to get off your medication at one time? And I said, yeah, maybe down the road a few years, but not right now. Because what's this doing is it's causing my brain to even out so that I can educate myself on the trigger mechanisms that are occurring on the ability to cope in the presence um, I'm gonna go right back to education. It's never ending. I am still continually reading research papers about addiction, about mental health. I've not left that realm. Even though I'm not active in it full time anymore, I've never left that realm of learning myself in, in what I'm dealing with because I still have to manage it. I've met a lot of people that uh, have mental health issues and addiction. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is one of the most frustrating things that I've ever worked. People I've worked with. Um, It's frustrating in the fact that if you have a person that has, let's rephrase that. If you have a person that's on the same path as you are, but ahead of you, so knows the pitfalls, knows what you're going to come in against, come up against, come to you and say, let me help you. I can't carry you through this, but I can walk by your side. Let me help you. And they start out of the gate really nice. And then the effort occurs, because I'm gonna tell you this right now, I'm gonna side note this, what I'm doing and what I've done has takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of self discipline It takes a lot of self accountability and responsibility. So it does take a lot of effort. And I think I've seen a lot of these individuals go by the wayside because as they start this course or they start this path, it takes effort to keep going. And when the least little bit hits, where are they at? Checking out of reality, getting back into their addiction. And so it's very frustrating. Again, it's going to, be, uh, to help someone go into their addiction less is again going to be on them. Because I can't do anything for an individual that doesn't want it done. But I can do a lot for an individual that reaches out to me and really wants it done. If they want to get out of their addiction, I'm there. I've told uh, a very close uh, individual. I can't walk it for you. I can walk alongside you. But if you don't want it, I can't be there for you. And again, it goes back to that individual saying, I want this. I don't want this life anymore. I don't want this addiction. I don't want to wake up feeling like crap just to go right back into it. I want to change. I want to get that quality of life that I had when I was a kid, maybe, or when I was a teenager or a young adolescent, young adult, and you can do that, but you have to be in the present. The present is very painful. It's painful for me today. It's painful for me right now. (laughs) with me, pain is what also makes me strong. I remember seeing a quote saying, you know, there's a old saying that a, that a woman's looking for a knight in shiny armor. I think if I was a woman, I'd want a, a knight with tarnished armor and some dents in it because that person has been through the battle. They've met their enemy. And they know how to fight that battle. So for a person that wants to truly get out of it, look for that warrior. They'll be there to help you. Again, the pain's gonna be there uh, because there's things that you have to be accountable for. And pain to ourselves or pain to others, we have to be accountable for it. Um, Can't get away from that. You can make all kinds of choices. You're not free from the consequences of those choices. And so, um, again, through education, additional education even that I've taken, I've had to contact people that I know I've caused pain to, and that's part of the, the repentance process. Uh, getting yourself better. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was I went back to church. I, I, w- I, was gone for 22 years, went back to church to keep myself centered. So now I know where I'm at. And, um, if I cause pain now it's because I'm too truthful. And I'm not sugarcoating anything. Um, it's not malicious. It's not intentional. It's just that I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm, um, life is real. Presence is real. An addiction is real. Mental health illness is real. These are all real things, but by candy coating, something is not going to help an individual. So telling them straightforward, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I've told uh, a person that I've worked closely with straightforward. I can't help you if you don't want it. If you want help, I'm there. But if you're going to stay in a, in a situation that is codependent, that is allowing individuals to enact their, or to do their addiction around you, then how are you going to keep from doing your addiction? How are you going to keep from checking out a reality? you're not going to be able to because you have to have people that are going to be strong. They're on the same path as you and they want the same thing as you, or you want the same thing as them. And so, yeah, pain is part of moving through, um, the on the path. It's also part of getting, you have to get ahead. You have to get on top of that, stuff that's causing the pain in order for you to manage that addiction that you have. So if I have things that I haven't cleared up or I have things that I haven't rectified with myself, then they're going to be over me. That that's going to be over me thereby. It's going to cause me to want to check out. It's not until I restart relieving those or removing those, those levels of, of things that I haven't come to grips with yet. Uh, that I'll, I'll be submissive to my addiction instead of being able to manage it. So I have to get on top or to get on top of everything in my life. Oh, how do you get on top of, of things in your life? Well, you start with the first rung of the ladder and you, you, You cry a lot, you scream a lot. Um, To this day, I still um, talk to myself because I have to keep pushing myself through it. Um, I have a little saying that I've always, always keep in my mind. And that is I've come too far to turn around now. And I have, I have, I was diagnosed in 97. So from 97 to the present, I've been fighting this. Well, and so I have come way too far uh, to stop now. I can't turn around. Uh, If I turn around now, it'll be devastating for myself. And so I can't do that. So I just started with the first run and worked on it. I learned problems are gonna come, problems are gonna go. I'm never gonna be without a problem. Uh, When I resolve one problem, there's three coming my way. And the way I've dealt with that is I look at the problems that need my attention immediately. And I deal with those problems. All the other problems I let go by because at that point in time, I don't care about them. Um, So I let them go by and I deal with the ones that I need to deal with at that point. When I get those resolved, then I move on because other problems are going to come around again which ones need my attention immediately. I deal with it. And, uh, and that's worked for me in my life. I, I've, uh, I've held to that. I've taught my kids that, um, I used to think why are all these problems? Can not I get, get, uh, get in a place where I have no problems. And so now I've accepted that's part of my life that no, I will always have problems. There'll always be problems. Um, you know, little problems like, Oh, I just broke a glass. That's a little problem. Sweep it up and throw away. Done. Bigger problems. Crap. I'm three months behind in my bills. How am I going to resolve this? Can I resolve it? Yes, I can. There's people out there wanting to help, but it takes understanding for the person or for me, it took an understanding that I can't do it by myself, that right now I need help, and so I sought help. I removed that pride aspect that I used to have that caused that stop in my learning progression of my illness and my addiction. I removed that, and now I'm able to say, to a doctor, to a psychologist, to a psychologist, to anybody, an individual that is further ahead of the path than me, hey, I'm dealing with this, can you help me out? What can I do? But I'm part of, I am the solution. They're part of the solution, but I'm the solution. And that's how I look at it. So what I would say to a person that wants to consciously lump what's occurred to them into their past quit living in your past. You can't live in the present if you constantly keep bringing up your past. That occurred to you. Something has occurred to everyone. I don't know anybody growing up that hasn't had a perfect life. I remember a time when my mom, I suffered from hearing loss. And I remember as a kid, I was fascinated with the way the water would swirl around in the toilet so i'd keep flushing the toilet and watch it and i'd flush it again well because of my hearing status or way my hearing was i couldn't hear my mom's talking to me and i never heard her and she grabbed me and slapped the sh- crap out of me multiple times and i didn't know why all i knew is i'm getting my face slapped by my mom it wasn't until my mom took me to a specialist that she learned that I couldn't hear. Because of the inner ear was infected and clogged and things of this nature. The regular doctors were just telling her I was incorrigible. So that was a past. That happened in my past. Did I hold on to it? Maybe. But I know one thing. I resolved my mother of any ill feelings or any feelings that might have occurred once she learned that I had a hearing problem. And I forgave her for that, but that didn't direct me to that. I I let that go. It's no longer in my life. It doesn't bother me. So for the person that keeps constantly blaming what's going on in them in the past, I said, quit, let it go. Let that stuff go out to the ocean, sink to the bottom, and never be come up again. Because if you want a future, you have to get rid of the past. Because two things can't coexist in the same space. You can't have a future if you're constantly bringing up the past, because now your past is the future. So what's your present? It's your past. And it's constantly going to be that way. And I've seen this time in and time again with people in therapy that I've been with people that I've tried to help people that I've talked to, they constantly bring up their past. Well, this is why I'm like I am. No, it's not. It's a choice. Again, it's a choice you made to blame what's occurring on you in your past. Let it go because now what's in your future, not a damn thing. What does that mean? Now I can create a future any way I want it to be. So that future now becomes my presence. So now I've started, my presence is good. My present life is great. Now I keep reinventing that future. That part of that present life goes to the past and it just keeps working that way. But if we keep bringing up that past, you're never going to it's like a hamster on a treadmill. You're not going to get anywhere. So, well, for a person that's it's finding it's hard to forgive, someone, they have to search themselves. They have to reach down. Um, How can you expect to, to be forgiven for what you've caused or the pain that you've caused in your life? If you can't forgive others, that's, that's disingenuous. You know, if, if I can't forgive this person, then why should person over here that I did harm to, forgive me. And so again it goes back to that centering. Where where's your center at? Um is it all about you? No. Nope. Not all about you. It's it's about us and and learning to help each other. And you can't expect help if you're not willing to forgive someone that's caused you pain. So what is, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness to me is just again, like my mom, I could have held that against her, but it was me just saying, mom, you didn't know. You reacted in a situation that you thought, you thought was occurring, but you found out was totally a different occurrence Or a reason that I did what I did. And so forgiving someone is just simply saying, I absolve you of of that wrongdoing. It's no longer pertinent in my life. It doesn't direct me anymore. Is it okay? No, it wasn't okay. Was it okay for my mom to beat the crap out of me? Absolutely not but I'm not holding that against her in any way, shape or form. I'm not constantly bringing it up to her saying, well, you remember when you did this? Because again, that's in my past. And my past is in the ocean. Again, going back to being on top of what's caused this behavior, you have to get through that somehow. And that somehow may be just to, again, forgive the person, where were they at? What's going on in their life? We don't know, but I don't want, personally, I don't want that dictating to me my future. So if, if, if I have to forgive a person for doing that, absolutely, I'm going to forgive that person because one, I don't know what's occurred in their life to cause that. I'm not saying that's right because maybe something's wrong in their life but I know what I want. And I don't want anything like that holding me back. So in order to get to the top, yes, I'm gonna to have to go through some painful things. Here we are back again in pain. We're gonna to have to go through some painful things, some painful memories, in order to dig that out by the root and get rid of it. We have to go through that pain. But I will guarantee you this, that when you do that, when you get on top, of what's causing that forward progression to stop, you are going to feel so much lighter. And I remember that. I remember that aspect of my life was uh, coming to grips with who I am, what I have and what I did. And once I got through all of that with my psychologist, my psychiatrist, help from friends, I was like a hundred pounds lighter. I remember that day that I felt like I could float. Those are the memories that I keep. The painful stuff I try and get away from. But I can't do that until I actually manage it. And I can't manage it until I recognize it. And I can't recognize it until I accept who I am. And the problems that I have. Well, one practical, I will outline one practical uh, uh, aspect in my mental health is depression and how I cope with the depression is I've learned that depression will occur and I'm okay with that. And so the first day I'm okay with it. I'm okay with being depressed. If I get, if I stay in bed, I stay in bed. If I stay on the couch, I stay on the couch. That's okay. Because I, I accept that. And so I do give myself that ability. Now day two is going to be a different day. So day two is if I'm in bed, I get out of bed. I get in the shower. I do my personal hygiene. I get dressed. If that's all I do that day, I've won day three, I get out of bed, personal hygiene, shower, shave, clean up, washing clothes, Uh, putting on new clothes, clean clothes, clean the kitchen, vacuum the house, take out the trash, I've won. By the fourth day, I'm out. I'm in the car, I'm driving, I go to the store, I get myself food, I get the staples of life, I've won. By the fifth day, guess what? I don't have any depression. Now I will add this. I also go to the gym, going to the gym in the morning for an early morning workout will do a lot for depression. Managing going some pain things, I you know, each individual's different. For me, I'm kind of like a locomotive. I'm a bear in a China shop. I see what needs to be done and I get it done. So if I have to go through this level of pain to get where I need to go, I do it. I don't make excuses, I do it. I find that frustrating though, with other people that I'm trying to help because I try and say to myself, this is how I do it. And it seems to work really good by just getting it done and out of the way. (laughs) But then I find people that just wanna harbor or malinger or just kinda stay stagnant. And I, to me, that's the most frustrating thing. So how, how do you, how does one start dealing with pain is, is again, a recognizing it and then it's going to hurt. For me, I make mental notes. I make a mental list. I don't really do a, a checklist anymore because I've been doing it for so long that now I recognize it a lot faster. And so I can pretty much get rid of it a lot faster. It's not meaning that it's not going to hurt. It's just as my, as I continue down my path, things that I've had to work at getting to now become second nature. And so there is that point that will occur, but for an individual that's just starting out, you may need to write down, um, uh, a checklist sort of speak about how to deal with this, um, who to talk to, uh, that to me, a person that is is dealing is starting off. I think, if there's a series of coaches that can be available to them saying, Hey, dial a number and say, Hey, you know, what do you do? Just like when I would go to 12 uh, step, Hey, how did you get there? How did you do this? How are you where you're at currently? What did you do? One-on-one, I think is the best thing. Um, because you're bringing in another person that's been down that path. I know spouses don't, <laughs> I know spouses do not make good sounding boards because they start internalizing and they start taking it personal when all I need is the sounding board. And it's kind of interesting now in my life, when I have people coming to me, I, I simply ask them this one question I start out with is, do you just need to vent or are you looking for a resolve? And the reason why I ask that is because if they just need to vent, then I don't have to go into the resolve mode. But if you want to resolve, my mind goes that way. It starts looking for answers. It starts looking for resolve to help you with what you're doing and, or going through. And so that's helped me a lot because, because of before I would start going, oh yeah, I know this, I can do this. I've been there, here's what I did. And they look at you like, what? What, what, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, did you just need to, did you just need to vent? And so, so that's for me now, that's the new kind of thing because I get excited when someone comes and opens up and wants help. And so I have to, I have to differentiate do they actually want help or do they just want to get something off their chest? Because again, I've been doing this for so long, I automatically go into that resolve mode, go, wait a minute, I know how to do this. Here, let me help. This is what I've done, try it, go for it. It's like individuals that have depression, they'll come to me, what have you done? Well, the best thing I've done is I got gym membership because I go to the gym and I push weights. I go to the gym and I do cardio. And let me tell you, when you do a hard cardio and a hard weight lift push, there's no more depression because your body's going, I am so freaking sore. I don't have time to be depressed <laughs> with me, recognizing pain and in, in dealing with the pain is uh, again, I'm aware of my addiction because pain is one aspect that will cause a person or cause me to try and get out of my reality. So in dealing with pain, I recognize it. It's going to hurt. This is going to hurt. But again, I, I go forth straightforward, and kind of into the combat zone and uh, deal with that pain at that time. Can I share with you that my journey has been a painful one? It's been an eye-opening journey. It's been a journey that has caused me to see myself for who I am and what has occurred, but I can overcome it. I can manage it. I've managed what has afflicted me. And if I can do it, so can you. You have to believe in yourself. You have to put forth a lot of effort and you have to be willing to open up your heart and your mind to those that can help you. I would recommend getting yourself aligned with a higher power of your choosing. Mine is God. And again, I have gone back to church to keep myself centered, I find that that helps me 100% to know that he has given me these things to make me stronger. And I guess it's kind of the tempering the master. But it'll be a tough journey. But you can do it with the right help.